want to start a series this morning titled The Pursuit of Holiness. And God's desire for us as the church is that we pursue holiness. God is not so much concerned with our happiness as He is concerned with our holiness. Now, I'm a, I believe that when we pursue holiness, it brings about happiness. It brings about joy in our lives. But the ultimate aim is holiness. And I want us to begin to uh, take a look. I think this is such an important topic in the modern day American church concerning holiness in the body of Christ. And so this morning, to start us off, we have chosen the text of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. I will ask that you please stand this morning in the honor of the reading of the Word of God. Beginning in verse 13, speaking to the church, the Apostle Peter said this, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We are so grateful that You have called us, Lord, into uh, a life of, of, of peace and joy. A life, God, of, of knowing You and being used by You. Father, we pray, God, that You would help us as Your children. God, to understand what it means to be holy as You are holy. God, I pray that You'd help us, Lord, not just here at Crossway, but Lord, I pray for the American church this morning. God, we have been backed into a corner uh, concerning holiness. There are so many, Father, that treat it as legalism and, and act like people are trying to be judgmental when we uh, simply try to uh, tell people to turn from sin and to live a godly life. Lord, I pray that as we study Your Word in the next several weeks, Father, that we begin to see that, Lord, not only is, is holiness beneficial, not only is holiness something we should embrace, but ultimately it is the key to seeing You. It is the key to knowing You. It is, it is becoming more like You. And Father, uh, Lord, it is Your desire. And Lord, furthermore, it is Your command to the church that we be holy. God, I pray that You'd help us, Lord, to let down our walls. God, the things that we typically put up when uh, someone tries to tell us how we ought to be or how we ought to live and uh, God, we, re we begin to turn our ears the other direction, Lord. I pray that You'd help us, uh, God, to be receptive to Your Word. God, help us to know, Lord, that You always want what's best for us. And that we should trust that You want what's best for us. And there's a reason that You call us to holiness. I pray, God, we'd have a better understanding of what that looks like, God, by the time we're done with this study. Lord, I pray now for this morning, this message. God, we humbly acknowledge we don't know how many times we have to do this. There is no guarantee we'll be here next week for part two. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd have your way with us this week. 
God, that now during the preached Word that You would penetrate our hearts. Help us to push off for a moment everything that's going on in our lives and all the distractions and all the stuff that tries to keep us from hearing and seeing You. Lord, we invite You to have Your way with us. God, more than just inviting You, we beg You. We beg You, God. Move in our midst this morning. Do what only You can. Change us. God, let us leave different than when we come in. Finally, Lord, I pray that You'd anoint me to preach in the power and unction of the Holy Spirit. Have Your way, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So ultimately, I have a desire to get to the application. Be holy, God says, as He is holy. I believe it's important that when we come to church that we have learned something that is applicable to our daily living. I think if you come and you're regularly just hearing words and regularly just hearing sermons, that there's no real application to what you should do week in and week out with your life, that that somehow we're missing the point. The Bible is a very um, life application book. It is directed to tell us how to live. It's directed to tell us how to behave. It's directed to tell us uh, how to treat our enemies, how to treat our friends, how to treat husbands and wives and children, and how we should be in the workplace. It has so many directions for how we should be and, and, and that apply directly to us. And I think it's very important that when we come and we hear the Word of God, that, that messages have a direct life application most of the time. And this sermon series, I promise you, is going to have a lot of life application. But today, I don't really want to talk to you about you. I don't really want to talk to you today about what the Bible says about you. Or what God wants you to do in any given situation. As I looked at this, this series, and God began uh, giving me some of this stuff over the last three to four months, one of the things I realized is that it doesn't do us a lot of good to talk about being holy as God is holy until we first have a picture of how holy God is. What does that mean? And so this morning, I'm going to preach to you about God. Not about you, not about what God wants you to do. I'm just going to tell you about God this morning. Who He is. Why is He holy? What is it that makes Him holy? What does that even mean that God is holy? And so if God will help me this morning, I just want to tell you about Him. The command from the Lord is to be holy, He said, as I am holy. It teaches us, number one, that God is holy. Well, what does it mean that God is holy? The word holy really means other than. Now, that doesn't sound incredibly incredibly spiritual. That doesn't sound life-changing. But ultimately, it means other than, different from. It is holy. The word holy means in the sense of there's nothing else like it. There's nothing to compare it to. Many of you have different hobbies. Many of you have different uh, things you like to do. Some of you are teachers, and you could compare teaching the way that you teach your class compared to the way your peers teach their class. Many of you are sports fans. You could compare your team versus another team and try to size up which team is better, which team has the better future next next year. 
Uh, many of you have different hobbies, different things that you can do, that you have friends, family, people, uh, confidants that you can talk to, and, and you can compare what you want to compare. But with God, there's no one to compare God to. There is no set of 15 gods and we can decide which one is more powerful, which one is better. There, there is one Creator, eternal God. That word holy encompasses that, that He is other than everything else we can think of. There's really nothing to compare Him to. There's no one to size Him up by. There's no one to challenge Him. He is the one true only God. He is the Creator of heaven and earth. He is the Maker of all that we know. He is the One that is all-powerful, all-knowing. He is all-present. He is this. He is the Holy God. That's what that word holy means. When we think of certain terms that define God, we say He's gracious. He certainly is. We say that God is merciful. God is certainly merciful. We say that God is loving. God is certainly loving. But these are attributes to help us understand God. Holiness is a word that really takes all those attributes and wraps them up into one word and says, this is God. He's holy. He's different than everything else. Have you ever come in contact with something that was completely and totally foreign to you? Didn't know uh, what it was or how to use the, 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 the product or maybe it was... Um, you know, a culture. I've, I've been. Uh, God has allowed me to be a handful of in a handful of different countries uh, in ministry over the last 14 years. There have been times I've went into other cultures where they spoke different languages, where third world countries. Where it, I remember the very first time I ever went, it was shell shock. I had no idea that people still live the way that these people were living in our in, in, in 2000. You know, in our day and time, I didn't think that was possible. And, and it was foreign to me. I want you to think for a moment about how foreign angels would be to us. These creatures that are eternal. They are created by God, but they are eternal in the sense that they don't have lifespans like we do. They, they live forever. They are all powerful uh, compared to us. Their ability to uh, to go from the heavenly realm into the earthly realm, and, and and the things that we see them do throughout the Bible, and 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 their their supernatural powers compared to us. I would submit to you that even if we came in, um, if one of us were to visually see an angel. To be able to know this was an angel, there would be some sense of this angel is holy other than me. There would be some sense of I need to back away and show respect and honor. We see this in the new, in, in the Bible many a times when people come in contact, uh, in contact with angels, many of them would fall on their face and, 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 and show respect. And when it was an angel, an angel would tell the person to rise up. Because Jesus is the only one to be worshipped. Angels weren't to be worshipped. But these angels, uh, compared to us, we, we agree, they seem like holy, angelic beings. 
Yet we find in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah has his encounter with God and he has the vision, he sees God at his throne and he sees two angels that worship him night and day, non-stop. And what is it that the angels proclaim of God? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy around the throne 24 hours a day, seven days a week, worshiping and proclaiming that this one true God in comparison to the angels, He is holy. He is other than them. He is greater than them. He is more powerful than them. He is worthy of their constant, never-ceasing praise and acknowledgement that He is holy. Now, this is the God that we serve. This morning, I want to share with you Four things about God that make Him holy in comparison to everything else that we know. Let's start in Psalm chapter 139. Psalm chapter 139. I want to read a few verses out of that passage. Let's look at verse verses 1 through 4 would be good enough. O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, You know it all together. We see that God knows all things. I'm going to give you a theological term. If you ever heard the term, you might not know what it means. But there's a term to describe this part of God. It is, it is called omniscient. The word omni, it means all. Omniscient. It's where we get our word science from. It means knowledge. God is all-knowing. There's nothing that He does not know. He's omniscient. The psalmist said, you know my lying down and my getting up. You know the very word of my tongue before it comes out of my mouth. I want you to think about that for a moment. God knows what you're going to say before you say it. In order for me to know what you're going to say, you've got to formulate it in your mouth. You've got to put some voice behind it. It's got to come out into these airwaves and hopefully into these ears or I won't have any idea what it is that you're thinking. But the Bible tells us that God is so all-knowing that before I can even form the word on my tongue and get it out of my mouth, He knows what it is I was going to say. He knows where I go. He knows the, the steps that I take. I'm here to tell you this morning, we serve a God that knows all things. He doesn't learn things. He doesn't find out things. He doesn't uh, continue to increase and uh, through experience. He simply knows. He's a God who is the head, the thinker, the starter of all creation as we know it. God did not sit down with all of His confidants, with all of the other gods, and then determine how we could create some type of universe. He thought of it by Himself. He designed it by Himself. He didn't need help. He didn't need anybody to tell Him how it was supposed to work. He just knew. He just knew how to make man. He just knew how to make animals. He just knew how to create the earth. He just knew how to make the atmosphere the way it needed to be. He just knew exactly how far the earth had to be from the sun. He just knew how fast it had to orbit. He just knew the way that gravity had to work. He knew these things because God is all-knowing. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there's no one else like Him. There's nothing to compare God to. He's the all-knowing God. 
The Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord, they go to and fro from the earth and that God sees everything that takes place. At the same moment, at the same time, God knows what's going on in your life and God knows what's going on in my life. This morning, can I tell you, God knows where you're at. He knows your pain. He knows your thoughts. He knows when you're suffering. He knows when you're on the mountain. He knows when you're in the valley. God knows when there's a battle that you're about to face before you ever knew it was going to come. And God knows this morning the enemy. God knows that there's a devil out there. God knows that there's a, a, His schemes. He knows His plans. He knows His ways. And when we study the Word of God, we see that God wins every time. God is not deceived. God is not mocked. God is not confused. In Isaiah chapter 6, uh, the, 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 the people of Israel were in turmoil. Their world was upside down. Their, their, their entire faith and their entire heritage seemed to be crumbling. But the Bible says that Isaiah looked and where was God? God was on His throne. He wasn't shaken. He wasn't trembling. He wasn't fearful. He wasn't confused. Because God knows the beginning from the end. Not only does God know this morning you, God knows you personally. He knows your thoughts. He knows your fears. He knows your dreams. He knows your desires. He knows your heart. He knows you. God knows the, the beginning from the end. Let's be honest. We don't even really know what's going to happen an hour from now. I don't even know where I'm going to eat. There's a lot of things we don't know. Not only does God know what's going to happen an hour from now, God knows everything that's going to be happening an hour from now. He knows every little detail. He knows every little thing. God knows where each and every one of us, under the sound of my voice, He knows where you're going to be. He knows who you're going to be sitting with. He knows what you're going to be doing. He knows what's happening with the billions of people all around this earth. God not only knows what's happening now, He knows the end of time. The Word of God, many times God would come and He would tell His people something that had yet to happen years and years and years down the road. And without fail, every single time it would come to happen just as God had decreed. Because God is all-knowing. There is nothing that He does not know. There is, no, there is no attack of the enemy that God is not aware of, that God does not have an answer to. There is no pain that you experience. There is no thoughts that you have. There is no torment that you go through. There is no victory that you experience that God does not know of. And I'm here to tell you this morning, He is holy. And one of the things that makes Him holy so different than everything else, so different from every other thing we could ever try to compare God to, is that God alone is all-knowing this morning. He's holy. God knows the ways of this world. God knows the ways of this world. God's not confused right now about what's happening in this, in this world. He knows about it. Matter of fact, He told us it would be this way. He knew about it long before it ever happened. God, God knows things only God could know. God knows the language of the wind and the waves. Jesus was on a boat. He just looked out at the winds and waves and told Him to be silent. I don't know how He said it. I don't understand how they heard Him uh, different. I don't know what language is in None, none of that matters to me. What I know is 
He spoke the language of the wind and the waves. See, there is no God like Him. There is none other. There is no one else to compare this amazing, all-knowing God to. Not only is He omniscient, He's omnipresent. Omnipresent. What does that mean? He's always present. God is right here with me on stage and God's right there with you in the very back row. God is here somehow right now in this exact moment of time filling this place with His presence while He is at churches across town, while He is in every span of, 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 of space that we could possibly imagine. We talk about getting closer to God. We talk about drawing near to God. When we talk about that, what we really mean is in experience. We mean, we mean our, our spiritual eyes being opened, our spiritual ears being opened, our spiritual understanding being increased so that we are aware of His presence, so that we see Him near. But in reality, He was there the whole time. Amen. It's theoretically, therefore, impossible to get in space in space, to get closer or further away from God. If I move from here to the back of the room, I haven't moved any further from God and I'm not any closer to God because God is here and God is there. He is in all places at all times. If we had a a map of the universe to place up here for you and and we could pinpoint the earth as if it was one tiny little uh, speck up there on that screen... And we could put a dot anywhere on that entire screen. No matter where you put the dot, you're just as close to God then as you were before you moved it. Because He's always present. He's the God that's there. When you're driving in your car and you feel like nobody cares and you feel like nobody's there, He's there. He's the God that's there when you lay in bed at night and you're wondering how you're going to make it and you're wondering what's going to happen if things don't change. He's there in that moment. He's the God that's there in your darkest hour. He's the God that's there when you're in victory. He's the God that's there when you leave the house and when you come into it. He's the God that goes with you where you go, stays with you where you stay. He's the God that is present at all times. No wonder the psalmist said that He is an ever-present help in our time of trouble and need. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, He is there. You don't have to wait for Him to show up. You don't have to pray for Him to leave somewhere and hope that He gets there in time. He was already there before you ever showed up because He is the always-present, the omnipresent God. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there's none other like Him. He's holy above all else. There's none to compare Him to. He is the one and only great I am, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Creator of the universe, the One who knows all things, the One who is always present. He is our God this morning. No wonder the psalmist said, if God is for me, then I shall not fear. Who can be against us if the Lord is on our side? He's all-knowing. He's not deceived. He's not afraid. He is present. He is with me. He is here now. He'll be with me tomorrow. He'll be with me next week. He'll be with me until He comes to bring me home because He is the always present God. I'm telling you, He's holy this morning. I'm going to take a pause and come back to the holiness of God and just interject. We live in a culture that's tried to dumb down God. We've been told that if we don't become more like the people of this world, that we can't reach the people of this world. It's just not true. Trust me, the people of this world know that this world does not hold hope. 
They don't need us to try to change God to look more like them in hopes that maybe they'll like God and accept God if He's not who He really is and then that somehow maybe God will change them later. No, we need to take the message that there is a holy God. There is someone that is far different, far greater, far more powerful, far more loving, far more pure than anyone, anything you will ever find in this realm. And we need to embrace holiness. We live in a culture that's tried to dumb down God and, 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 and try to make Him cool, you know. You remember about six, seven years ago, there was a big fad going on in, in uh, high schools and really colleges. People wearing around, Jesus is my homeboy shirt. Jesus is not your homeboy. Trust me, He's not. I don't care how cool you think that sounds. He is not your homeboy. He's the one who died and shed His blood on a cross because you were going to go to hell forever because of your sins. And He loved you like no one else loved you. He saved you when no one else would save you. He cared for you when you weren't worth caring for. And He died and breathed His last breath to pay your penalty so that you wouldn't have to spend forever for hell. Do not disgrace Him with the Jesus is my homeboy shirt. He's a holy God. He's holy. And we have to quit being afraid to say that. If you were here the last, just over the last two months, we just went through a powerful series about the love of God. He's so loving. But it doesn't negate the fact that He's holy. And that He demands holiness from His people. He is a holy God. Thank God that He is. Hey, trust me, if He wasn't, He never would have been able to devise the plan for us to be saved. Thank God that His love is so vastly different than the love of this world or we would have been hopeless. It's not like we did Him wrong once. It's not like we did Him wrong twice. It's not like we did Him wrong three times. Come on, some of you are on time number 1,457 that you've needed forgiven. And His love hasn't run out yet. Because His love is different than all the love of this world. He loves us with a deep, perfect love. He is different. He is holy. He is greater than anything our minds can really, truly fathom. And even the angels bow before Him and cry, Holy, holy, holy. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He knows all things. And He is in all places. The psalmist said, Where can I go from Your Spirit? Where can I flee from Your presence? If I ascend into heaven, You are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, You are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there Your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Hey, if you're running from God this morning, you might as well just stop. It is a terrible, terrible thing to run from God. It's not just that God is fast, it's that He's all places. He doesn't even have to run. Just wherever you're going, He's already there. Turn around and try to go the other way. He's there too. He's there with you right now. There's nowhere you can go from God. That's what the psalmist said. Where can I flee from your presence? Nowhere. Oh, when you see Him for who He is, it doesn't make any sense to flee from His presence. 
but rather to fall on your face in His presence and to, and, and to cry, Holy, 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 You are God. You are good. You are my God. And You have my life. You direct my steps. You direct my heart. You direct my ways. And Lord, Your ways are best. I will follow You. I will serve You. I will turn to You. But certainly you cannot leave from the presence of God. He's there. Jonah learned that lesson. He tried to outrun God. He tried to get away from the presence of God. God was there in the boat. God was there in the belly of the whale. You cannot flee from the presence of God. He's in all places at all times. You know, the devil is not. Some people think Satan can be in all places at all times. No, Satan is an actual created being. The Bible teaches us in Isaiah chapter 14, in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, that Satan once used to be Lucifer, and Jesus said he saw him fall from heaven. That he was one of the three head angels. He was a, he's a created being, and the reason that's significant is, Satan himself can only be in one place at one time. Now, demons are certainly spread out throughout the entire world. He is what the Bible calls the prince of the air. And that basically means that his his anti-God regime and his anti-God mentality is penetrating the sound waves. It penetrates the airwaves. It penetrates the television. It penetrates the marketing. It is in everything and everywhere that we go, this message of Satan. But that, so in that sense, the message of Satan, the presence of the satanic uh, anti-God message is anywhere that you go. But Satan himself as an individual can only be in one place at one time. God is the only one that is truly omnipresent. Thank God that when you leave here, God's there. Amen? Amen. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He is omnipresent. He is in all places. And He is omnipotent. Omni, all, potent, powerful. He's all-powerful. God is so powerful. I thought about as I was trying to get ready to preach this sermon, I thought, God, I don't have the, how can I even describe you? There's no words for that. I can tell people to quit, you know, stop sinning and, and how they ought to treat their husbands and wives and how they ought to handle themselves in situations according to the Word of God. But how do I really describe you properly? How do I find the words to explain it? He's all powerful. The Bible calls him the all Mighty God. That means His might is above all. How powerful is God? He's the God that can do anything that He wants. He's the God that just speaks and, and the world left into existence. I don't know about you, but when I decide it's time to get some work done, and I decide something needs done around my house, I have to get up off of my seat. And I have to move my legs. And I have to take my hands. And I have to grab a hold of whatever I'm wanting to work on. Not so with God. God just stays on His throne. Decided He wants to build the earth and He speaks. Earth. Decided that He wants to 
the, the, the waters to, to separate and there to be a span between the heavens and the earth. And He just speaks it. And, and the waters and the, and, and the earth obey Him. Decides that He wants the, 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 the mountains to rise up out of the waters. And He just speaks and they rise up out of the waters. He's a God that is so powerful, He doesn't even have to get up to create everything that you and I see. He's a God that is so powerful that there's none that contend with who He is. You look at Satan. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12 that Satan took a third of the angels with him when they fell and rebelled against God. I want you to think about that for a moment. We don't know how many it is. God's never given us a number. We just know it was about a third. I have no idea. But I want you to think about a third of the angels. They all conspired together to take all the power they had, to take all the wisdom they had, to take all the crafty thinking they could come up with, and they conspired together to come against God, to try to usurp His throne, to try to take it over and change the course of heaven and eternity. They thought of this, and a third of them came together, and God just simply, with one simple stroke, cast them all down to earth. Because He's the Almighty God. You can take a bunch of little gods, little G. You can take all the devils in the world. You can take all the people in this world. And they can come together. And all the might that they have together pales in comparison to the strength of the one Almighty God. He is the all-powerful God. There's nothing that He cannot do. He's the God that, 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 that healed sickness by simply reaching out and touching it. He's the God that touched leprosy and, and leprosy left people's bodies. He's the God that saves. He's the God that delivers. He's the God that speaks to the wind and the waves and they must cease. He is the all-powerful God this morning. There's nothing that God cannot do and choose to do with the simple spoken word. He's all powerful. We live in a culture where day and time, not culture, but just a fallen world. We try to stay away from sickness. There's a lot of sickness going on right now at this time of year. And it's hit here at Crossway Church. People sick, young ones throwing up. Fevers, all that type of stuff. Many of you have been through it in the last couple of weeks. You know, our response to that is to stay away from it. And I'm, you should. I'm, be wise. Because what happens when we touch sickness? It makes us sick. Jesus, not so. He's got power over all things. He'd come and just touch and... He would not become defiled, but the thing that He touched would become whole. I think about it's a fact. It's a fact. You young people, listen to me very carefully. It's a fact. Who you run with will influence you. Who you spend your time with will impact the type of person you will become. It's a fact. You're not the exception to the rule. You hang out with people who are hateful, mean-spirited, evil, doing things they shouldn't do. You hang out with, with, with people that are selfish, people that are prideful. You, you, will, you will begin to take on the attributes. You will begin to take on because we are naturally, we are defiled by things that defile. And so the safest thing you could do is get yourself away from it. But I want you to think about this. Holy God, 
took on the form of flesh and came to this earth. And though He was in it, though He was tempted in all points like we were, He was yet without sin. He was not defiled by a defiling world. He would reach out and touch diseases, and the diseases would leave the people that He touched. There was a woman who understood this to be so true. She thought, if I could just barely touch His clothes, something's going to happen to me. And she reached out and touched His clothes and power. He said, virtue left His body. He felt it leave Him. Power went out from Him. And it healed her in that moment. The Bible says she knew it. She felt it when she was healed. There was something that left his clothes and went into her body and it healed her in that moment. He is the all-powerful, all-healing, soul-saving God. There's nothing this morning that God cannot do. Jeremiah 10.12 said, It's He who made the earth by His power. God has power over creation. Understand, God has power over the devil. God has power over the devil. We look at a lost and dying world and sometimes we ask God, where are you at? Peter goes on to continue to write. And he says this, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He says that in response to the question of God, how come you haven't intervened yet? God has a plan. God's not thwarted by the devil. The devil's not winning. God is all-powerful. God is always in control. When we, look at the, when we look at the victories of the Old Testament, we see a God who knew before the battle ever happened how it was going to be won. We see a God who would tell His warriors before it ever happened, here's how it's going to happen. You're not even going to have to fight this time. All you're going to do is walk around and what you're going to do is do it for seven days. And then you're going to blow a trumpet. And when you blow the trumpet, the walls are going to come down. And God just told him exactly how it was going to happen. Why? Because he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, and he's all-powerful. He can do what he wants. I'm telling you this morning, God has power over the devil. God has power over evil. God's plan is in act. God is moving towards a, a redemption of His people. There's coming a time when the heavens will split and, and, and time as we know it will be no more. And the Lamb that was slain on Calvary's cross, He isn't going to be the Lamb anymore. But He's going to come back as the Lion of Judah. The power of God is going to be on, on display for all to see. And this world will know once and finally and forevermore that He is holy, holy, holy. That He's the omniscient, ever-present, all-powerful God. He's holy this morning. God has the power to deliver. It's no wonder that Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Do you think there's anything in your life that you're facing that's not possible for God? No, sir, no, ma'am. With God, all things are possible. He's the all-powerful God. And finally today, not only is God omniscient, does He know all things. Not only is God omnipresent, is He here and everywhere at all times. Not only is He omnipowerful, but God is unchanging. And that's a very significant factor to His holiness. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. God is unchanging. The good news about that is, because He changes not, He's always going to be all-knowing. You're never going to have to wonder if there's something God doesn't know. He's always going to be omnipresent. He's always going to be omnipowerful because He does not change. 
We see that even in creation of angels, they had some level of, of free will. Some level of free will. It was not as great of the free will as what God has given to mankind, but they had a level of free will. And we see that a third of them changed. A third of them decided they didn't like it the way it was. A third of them decided they thought God was not really ready to be worthy to be trusted and that God was just trying to hold them down and that they needed to usurp His throne. We see that the angels changed. Hey, let's be honest. We've changed. We change our opinions. We change our behaviors. We change from time to time. People change on us. Sometimes you find people who you thought would have been there your whole life and you don't even know where they are now. You haven't talked to them in years because people change. But I'm here to tell you this morning, child of God, God does not change. You don't have to worry if God's going to change on you. You don't have to worry if you're going to wake up tomorrow and He's not going to be powerful enough to meet your need. You don't have to worry if God's going to be there when you need somebody to be there because He's promised He'll never leave you or forsake you. You don't have to worry if God knows what you're worrying about. You don't have to worry if God knows what you're thinking and what you're hurting and what you're, what you're, what's going on in your mind because God is unchanging. He never changes. He is always steady. He is always the rock that we can depend upon. He is the one true Almighty God. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is always present. And He changes not. So our hope this morning is on a holy God. He's a God that's above all. I don't worship some God that was made up by the mind of man. I don't worship some God that hasn't moved and proven Himself. I don't worship some God that's just a figment of imagination. We worship this morning the one true great I Am. The holy, holy, holy God. That's our God. I'm glad I'm on His side this morning. I'd hate to not be. The thought of what happened if what would have happened if I, I hadn't been saved. He hadn't saved me. The thought of having to stand face to face with that God, the one true God, the holy, holy, holy God. What a terrifying thought. Now the scripture says, Be holy as I am holy. How do we do that? Understand, God's never commanded us to do something that He has not empowered us to do. I want to say as our, as, as our worship team comes that I'm done this morning. I want you to stay with me though over the next few weeks as we examine the holiness of God and the holiness of the church. Certainly, God has not called us to be all-knowing. That's impossible. He has not called us to be omnipresent. That's not possible. He's not called us to be all-powerful. That's not possible. But He has called us to be holy. And so what we see about this word holiness is that while I have did my best job this morning to explain to you the holiness of God and, and, and to lift Him up, this word holiness, it's even bigger than what I could do in, in 30 minutes. God is holy. This morning, do you treat Him like He's holy? Do you live like you believe He's holy? This morning... Are you on His side? Are you really God's? I'm not asking if you believe in God. The devils believe in God. And a third of them were cast out of heaven. James even tells us in the New Testament, the devils believe and they tremble. It's good that you believe in God. The Bible says fools don't. 
But is He your God? This morning, if He is your God, you ought to have some blessed peace and rest in the fact He's your God. The Holy, 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 One True Great I Am, Creator of the heaven and universe, Lover of your soul, He's your God. Wow! Thank God, that's powerful. He's on my side. He loves me. If I was you, I wouldn't mess with me. Not because of me, but because of whose I am. I'm telling you, He's on my side. And if God's for us, whom shall I fear? It's not me that you've got to go through. It's not me that you're messing with. It's my Father. Hey, and I can say that with some confidence this morning. If you're a child of God, you ought to also morning, I pray our hearts would turn off of all the pain and struggles of this world and we get our, 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 our minds and our hearts focused on the fact that we serve and we belong to the one true holy God. If you're a Christian this morning, I don't even know what it is God's trying to do in your heart. But we're going to give you an invitation to respond. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you need to be. You want to be on the side of the one true holy God. You need to be saved. How do you get saved? It's not so much about a set of words. It's not so much about a formula. I want you to listen to me close this morning. I'm done. Done with the sermon. I want to talk to you about how you get saved. It's not about a formula. It's not about a set of words. It's not about getting baptized. You need to be baptized after you get saved. But as we learned this morning, God knows your thoughts, doesn't He? God knows the words before you formulate them on your tongue and get them out of your mouth. The day I got saved, all I could say was, I'm sorry. And I said it over and over again. But before I ever got that first word out of my mouth, God already knew what I had to say. So here's how you get saved if you're not this morning. Be willing to make a public profession. Almost everybody that came to Jesus and found healing, they did it publicly. Read the Bible. That's the truth. We're going to give an invitation. And as we give the invitation, I encourage you to come. I encourage you to find a place to kneel. But if you need to be saved, it's not just about coming. It's just not about kneeling. Here's what you need to do. You need to understand God knows your language. God's not tricked into thinking you mean what you mean if you throw in a couple of these and thou, O oh, greatest God, come into my life list and change me. God says, stop it. Quit it. When are you going to be real with me? You talk to God like there was nobody in this room but you and Him. If you need to be saved, I encourage you to find a place to kneel and pray. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to black out everything going on in this world. I want you to pretend there's nobody here but you and God. And I want you to tell God what you would tell God. Tell Him that you're sorry. Tell Him you need forgiveness. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to come into your life and to give you new life and new hope. Tell Him with an honest heart that if He'll save you, you'll serve Him the rest of your life. And however you would say that, is how God wants to hear it. He don't want me to tell you exactly what to say. So this morning, I want to encourage you.